Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Just let me introduce you to everybody. Uh, this is uh, Gina, Roy, Lucas, AJ. The staff of Empire Records had the coolest jobs on earth. Do you think the story is already written? Or do you think a bold and courageous act can change the course of history? Something happened to me last night in Atlantic City. Did you win anything? No, I did not. But Lucas blew it. Everyone knew it. You want to buy Empire? Well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> the money is gone. Where's it going to? I think it's recirculating. We're turning this into a music town? I have to pay for what Mr. Brilliant here did. I'm the idiot. You're the screw-up, and we are all losers. Now, five friends have one day to decide what to do with the rest of their lives. AJ loves Corey, not the whole story. Today is the day that I'm going to tell Corey how I feel about her. That I, uh... Love her. Yeah. Do you think that it's possible for someone to be in love with someone else and not even know it? In this life, there are nothing but possibilities. That is so sweet. I think I'm going to barf. Corey wants Rex first time at sex. Hey, Rex, what happened to your hair? I will offer myself to Rex Manning. Ah! I wish I could be brave, more brave. I have to bring Rex's lunch. I'm bringing Rex's lunch! Mark's raging mad. Best day he's had. Just like this! Help me, help me, help me. If I was in a band, they would not be doing this to me. Deb shaved her head and made out she was dead. I tried to kill myself with a lady back. Just your typical nutty teenager. You did have hair, right? I was tired of being invisible. Gina did it again, this time to a friend. You get smarter the shorter your skirt gets. I want to sing in a band, but I don't have the guts. So is this how your life's going to be now? You're just going to screw every husband? I'm starting! Want to know more? Check out the store. Empire Records open till midnight. This is Mark. Midnight! Empire Records. Featuring the music of Better Than Ezra, Gin Blossoms, Ape Hangers, Evan Dando, Toad the Wet Sprocket, and the Cranberries. What is wrong with you people? Rock and roll. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Empire Records from 1995. The studio was Warner Brothers. The release date was September 22nd, 1995. The running time, 90 minutes, with the rating of PG-13. Couldn't find the budget totals, and the box office only took in $273,000, making it the 236th ranked movie of 1995. Definitely a cult classic. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 29% rotten from 34 reviews. Their critics' consensus is... Despite a terrific soundtrack and a strong early performance from Renee Zellweger, Empire Records is mostly a silly and predictable teen dramedy. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 1.5 out of 4 stars, and here's his review. Empire Records is a microcosm movie, one of those films where in a single day, in a single music store, every conceivable thing happens to every conceivable character. At the end of the day, they are a lot wiser as the endless list of music credits scroll up the screen. Like movies as different as Car Wash and Clerks, the movie creates a small world that functions as family and universe for its inhabitants. 
The characters work at Empire Records, located in a fictional small town in Delaware. They're all more or less members of Generation X, except for Joe, played by Anthony LaPaglia, the store manager who serves as a father figure. And they're about to face a crisis, because the store owner has decided to sell out to the hated Music City chain, which has a dress code that outlaws tattoos and body piercings, and would basically disqualify the entire Empire Records staff. Empire Records is one of those stories you will only find in the movies, where customers can be put on hold while the employees stage a mock funeral for the troubled Deborah, followed by a group therapy session. And the ending is a mess. If the movie is a lost cause, it may at least showcase actors who have better things ahead of them. Cochran, who was in Days and Confused, and Tyler from Silent Fall have unmistakable screen presence. And for those unfamiliar with them, the sight of the band Guar singing Saddam Agogo from the album This Toilet Earth may help pass the time. So I kind of abbreviated Ebert's review because he gets into the plot, and that's, that's my job. So yeah, he didn't like the movie. Yeah, and this is one where Ebert would simply be the wrong generation for this type of movie. And that's not to say that his review wasn't full of valid points, because if you were in high school when Empire Records came out, and I was, this film would likely resonate a great deal with me than it would be for Ebert, who's, you know, 35 years older than me. So, just like Dazed and Confused, I love that movie. And it was interesting he brought up Car Wash, because that film is definitely a product of a specific era, you know, the late 70s and, and full-blown disco. So Ebert might enjoy that movie far more than, say, Empire Records, and that's totally fair. All right, let's get into the main cast. So even though they aren't the main stars of the film, the two actors that would go on to become the biggest stars afterwards, as Ebert kind of uh, predicted, were Renee Zellweger and Liv Tyler. Zellweger would become a star a year after Empire Records because she co-starred with Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire. And then Liv Tyler was already becoming a fast-rising star because she was appearing in her father's music videos for Aerosmith and the Get a Grip album. So like Zellweger, 1996 would be a great year for Tyler because uh, she co-starred in That Thing You Do with Tom Hanks and then two years later with Ben Affleck in Armageddon. But the top billing actor in Empire Records is actually Anthony LaPaglia as Joe. And LaPaglia started his film career in the mid-1980s and appeared in movies like Betsy's Wedding, Innocent Blood, and So I Married an Axe Murderer. The director was Alan Moyle and Prior to Empire Records, Moyle's most notable films were Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater and The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag with Penelope Ann Miller. All right, let's get into the film. So Empire Records is the type of movie that feels like an 80s movie, though it was knee-deep in the 90s. And this is definitely a good thing, because the fun of the 80s teen flicks works in this movie, and then you can still hear songs from the 90s era. And so the movie starts at, you guessed it, the record store, Empire Records. And Lucas, played by Rory Cochran, he is just a wisecracking, I'm cooler than you type of guy that every record store seems to have. And Lucas mentions to Gina, and that's Renee Zellweger, that he has reached his pinnacle of happiness because Joe, Anthony Wapaglia, has given him the task of closing the store for that night. And all Joe asks of his closers is a few things. Count the money twice and keep their hands off his beer, cigars, and drumsticks. So what does Lucas do? He plays drums on the cash while smoking a cigar. He also discovers from rummaging in Joe's desk that it looks like Empire Records may be changing ownership. So Lucas decides to take the store's cash from the night, jumps on his motorcycle, and heads to Atlantic City in an attempt to make enough money from gambling to keep the store from being bought. And it goes as well as you might think. We have a high roller. 9,104. I counted it. Twice. I like your style. 
Well, Joe told me to count it twice. No more bets, please, ladies and gentlemen. It's bets down. It's bets down. So do I just throw it and get a seven? That would be very good, sir. Feeling lucky? I'm guided by a force much greater than luck. Seven! A winner! Oh, Baby, you are sex. I know. Same lucky shooter. Get your bet sound, please, ladies and gentlemen. Hot shooter on the line. You know what? Let it ride. Oh. A dice coming out. That's an $18,000 bet. You sure you know what you're doing, kid? I know this, that if I win this role, I will save the place that I work from being sold and the jobs of my friends that work there, thus striking a blow at all that is evil and making this world a better place to live in. Huh? What? And I'll buy you guys a drink. Hey! Oh. No more bets, please, ladies and gentlemen. Get your bets down. Joe? This one's for you. Two, reps, and a roll. You know something? You used to be cute. They used to have 9,000 bucks. I wonder if I'll be held responsible for this. At first, you might think this is a dream sequence because, you know, the whole bait and switch. But nope, Lucas really did blow the cash. Joe opens the store the next morning with Mark, played by Ethan Embry, and AJ, Johnny Whitworth. Lucas gives the details of what happened to Mark and AJ, but takes off before Joe arrives. Joe, of course, finds out that last night's money wasn't deposited at the bank and is beyond pissed. We then cut to Gina picking up Corey, that's Liv Tyler, for work. Corey is in love with a pop star named Rex Manning, that's Maxwell Caulfield from the Grease 2 fame and has decided that she will seduce him and sleep with him, thus losing her virginity as well because he's supposed to appear at the store. However, AJ is in love with Corey, so her infatuation with Rex Manning isn't great for his chances. We then get one of the many musical interludes, which is the main reason why this film has a very 80s feel to it. So Corey, Gina, AJ, and Mark are getting the store ready for opening, while the song Seems by Queen Sarah Saturday plays in the background. It seems like this, which one, makes me miss how awesome having record stores around is, and so if there are still some by you, and there are for me, support the ones that are still open. And two, how cool it was to work in one of these stores back in the day. Uh, was it always like this movie? Of course not. It's work, after all, but if you're a music lover, it's not a bad gig. We then get a music video of Corey's Desire Rex Manning. This is an obvious nod to the 80s as he's as cheesy as it can get and he's still trying to live from his past glories. So that Rex Manning music video, Say No More, Money More, <laughs> was shot prior to principal photography and was shot in North Carolina one day. It was only intended to be a 17-second dance move piece for the main actors and actress to make fun of, the, of it in the movie. However, the director of the music video shot for the entire day and gave the producers an entire 4-minute and 30-second music video. So there you go. You can find it on YouTube. Lucas does eventually show up to the store and breaks the news to Joe, who is, of course, less than thrilled. Uh-oh. Mark! Lucas! Lucas! Joe! 
Where's the money? Joe, the money is gone. Yeah, I know it's gone. Where's it going to? Atlantic City. Atlantic City? Yeah. Is it coming back from Atlantic City? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, Joe. What's it doing in Atlantic City? Recirculating. So, while Mark always seems like he's stoned, Deb, played by Robin Tunney, is truly a Debbie Downer, as she hates everyone and everything. She gets to work and heads straight to the bathroom and shaves her head. In addition to cutting her hair, she's also been cutting her wrists. While the movie is definitely a comedy, it definitely has its darker moments, like this. Deb being definitely the darkest for the most part, and of course, Gina and Deb are not the best of friends. Well, Sinead O'Rebellion. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. That is so clever. I swear to God, you get smarter the shorter your skirt gets. And you get smarter the shorter your hair gets. So it's probably a good thing you went with that. Yeah. It's a wonderful look for you, darling. Thank you. In the meantime, Mark decides to have an impromptu mosh pit with a few other customers as I Shot the Devil from Suicidal Tendencies plays. Gina decides to put the kibosh on that since it's so early in the morning and she decides to dedicate money from the Flying Lizards to the employee of the week, Lucas. Again, the musical interludes are what makes this movie a lot of fun. This doesn't thrill Joe at all and he decides to break the news that Music Town is going to be buying Empire Records sooner than later. This means rules and regulations when it comes to playing music in the store. No more diverse, edgy playlists. Joe also tells everyone that he had raised enough capital to potentially buy part of Empire Records and be a partner instead of selling out. That is, until Lucas blew all the cash. So, for the Music Town new rules, they include no visible tattoos and no revealing clothing, which means Gina and Deb are both screwed. We then get another musical montage of the store, with the Buggles 80s classic Video Killed the Radio Star playing as all the Rex Manning fans line up. It's all fun and games until the resident shoplifter Warren, played by Brandon Sexton, shows up to the store. Joe, is it okay if I leave the couch? Because I'm going to leave the couch now, okay? My ass is falling asleep, so I gotta go. Leaving. He didn't leave the couch. Not the whole couch. Oh, I've decided I'm going to start a band. Really? Yeah. First thing you need is a name. Then you'll know what kind of band you've got. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know. I was kind of thinking about um, Mark. What do you think of that? Is, that? is that with a C or with a K? <laughs> well, um, my name is with... <laughs> so I was thinking maybe my band could be with the C so that way it's kind of like that psychedelic you know trip thing <laughs> always play with their minds nice selection what help you with anything no I'm all right Thanks. you like music yeah. Mm, me too. The fat man walks alone. What? Stop. What are you, some kind of weirdo? It's a big coat you're wearing. Lots of pocket room. 
Yeah. See you. I'm sure I'll bump into you. too small, all right? Middle America buys your records. Now, come on, we got a lot of fans waiting in there. Yeah, this is Joe Reese from the Empire Records store. We have a shoplifter in custody. Uh huh? How old are you? Old enough to kick your butt through your skull and splatter your brains on the wall. Yeah, he's a juvenile. No. Uh -huh, thanks. <laughs> What's your name? Warren Baby. Okay, Warren. Stand up. I want you to hold these against your chest, stand against the wall, and they're going to take a photograph of you. Why don't you go shove them up your ass? Because it would hurt a lot, Warren. Take them over there. Okay. Gina decides to make a mockery of all the potential new dress codes by wearing an apron with nothing on underneath. And again, it's all fun and games until Rex Manning and his assistant Jane, played by Debbie Mazur, shows up. And they said no revealing clothing, didn't they? I think Music Town is actually torn on the revealing garment oh. issue. I think so. Mm. Revealing clothing. Gina. Gina. Oh, so, so. Gina. Gina, will you please get dressed? Turn that down. AJ, up on the roof. Fix the sign. Fix the photograph. Hello? Welcome to Music Town. May I service you? <laughs> Gina, dressed. Corey, work. You must be Joe Reese. Yeah, I'm Joe. You must be Jane, right? Hi. Me, Joe, you, Jane. Oh, Rex Manning is a total douche, but the middle-aged housewives just love him and line up for his autograph. And then when the younger women do appear, it's to get an autograph for their moms. All the while, Mark is his errand boy. Mark. Yeah. Who's your favorite singer? Axel. Well, if Axel Rose was driving down the highway and saw Rex Manning stranded on the side of the road, 
You think Axel Rose would stop and help him? Does Axel have a jack? No way, man. Axel would spin the wheel, take in, pound on the gas, and take that sucker out. Lauren, Lauren, where do you get this hostility from? Jane decides to quit since doing promotions for has-beens like Rex Manning is not her idea of a great career path. Again, this doesn't thrill Joe, who is losing yet another ally to get artists into a store. And then this leads to the best musical interlude and one of my favorite ACDC songs, If You Want Blood, You've Got It, from the Highway to Hell album. Oh, that was such a great scene. So AJ's playing air guitar like Angus Young, and Lucas is acting like Bon Scott, even though his moves are more like Mick Jagger. <laughs> and Joe is playing drums in his office. And even Warren jumps around all while the song blasts through the store. Then comes Mitchell Beck, the owner of the store, played by Ben Bodie. He ends the fun by stopping by and requesting the cash from Joe. Joe decides to engage in some light subterfuge by putting some paper into the cash pouch and giving it to Mitchell. And by paper, I don't mean money. I mean actual <laughs> paper. We then get another funny montage of customers at the listing stations. One of them is almost doing pseudo-yoga poses while Romeo and Juliet from Dire Straits plays. And after that montage, Warren is officially arrested and escorted out of the store. Joe then has a check-in with Deb, which goes as well as can be expected with Deb. Hi. Hey, I'm just doing the quarterly income tax returns. I'm almost done. Look, Deb, um, if you need to talk about anything... To fix me, Joe? Okay, fix me, I'll listen. Well, I didn't mean that. I, <clears throat> I mean, should I call your mother or something? Or? Great, you know, if, if you find her, could you give me her number? Because I'd like to talk to her myself. 
doing a good job, Deb. Corey then decides to make her move on Rex Manning during his lunch in the break room by undressing in front of him. Rex nonchalantly asks if she really wants to do what she's attempting to do, and she says she does, and he simply unzips his pants and says, rock and roll. Corey's magical romantic fantasy suddenly comes crashing down, and she angrily walks out in a huff. All the while, Hal by the Cranberries plays. And then, at the worst possible moment, AJ decides to profess his love for Corey while they're on the rooftop of the store. Fixing the sign. What are you doing? Taking a break. Wow, it's so weird that you just came up here. Look, I really have to tell you something. Not now, please. No, it has to be now. No, no, it has to be now. Listen, you, you remember that really horrible day when Mark set off the store alarm and, 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 and Gina got dumped by that dentist guy and cried all day and I, I drew the picture of him and Lucas made the voodoo doll and, and you wore that skirt that I hate? You remember that day? What skirt? The, the, the one with the flowers. The blue skirt? Yeah, the blue one. Uh, I hate, hate that. Yeah, I hate that skirt. Because it's good that I hate that skirt, Corey. Because that, listen, that, listen to me. That skirt made me realize that, I mean, if I can, if I can love her in that skirt, then this must really be it. Corey, I love you. What? I mean, I'm in love with you. I've been in love with you. Oh, wow. Oh, please, not now. Please, AJ. No. Please don't do this right now. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, but I, I can't handle this right now. What are you telling me? What, you could handle it some other time? Is that it? Look, I just threw myself at Rex Manning, okay? I made a total fool out of myself, and I, and I really don't... You what? Yes, and, and, and I'm not ready for this, okay? And I, I'm sorry, I'm not ready for this. I'm sorry, I just want to be alone, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> just forget I said anything, all right? Just forget, no, I didn't say anything. I, nothing happened. Corey then makes the mistake of confiding in Gina about what happened with Rex, which leads to Corey basically saying that she can't be like Gina, essentially saying that she can't be a slut like Gina. Not surprisingly, this doesn't make Gina feel that great. So what does Gina do? Yeah, she hooks up with Rex Manning. I don't know. It's just something I've always been able to do. I can tell you what color and what kind. Hmm. All right. What am I wearing now? Jockeys. Navy blue. Am I right? I don't know. Well, why don't you check it out and you let me know. AJ then decides to try to make Corey jealous by dancing with Deb while a Rex Manning song plays. All the while, Mark and Lucas dance with the middle-aged ladies. Unfortunately, this is the last straw for Joe, who decides to go off on Lucas. Don't worry, Joe. You're a superb manager. Really? Superb. Keep it up, Lucas. 
Superb. Say it again. Superb. Shit! Joe, that's, that's my it. shoulder! Ow! Get in there! Joe? No. Don't! Deserve that, you know it, right? I know it. I'll look upstairs. I'll check the bathroom. I'll check the storage room. I'll check the sofa. Hey, hey, how's it going, man? Hey, Joe, I'm sorry I'm late. I brought some pizza just in case anyone got hungry. So what's up, man? Why are you guys uh, looking so glum? Where's sexy Rexa? It's kind of funny that you put it that way. What? Oh, I'm not feeling so good. Can I count out now? Why is the door locked? Where's Gina? Where, where's Rex? No applause? Yep, that's right. AJ decides to jump and try to beat up Rex Manning. Then everyone basically tells Rex what a washed-up has-been he really is, so Rex leaves in a huff. But then they turn their vitriol on Gina, and then Corey loses it. Okay. How could you, man? With Rex Manning? I hate you. Gina, you better go home. Am I fired? Have I fired anyone today? No. Why would I start with you? So is this how your life's gonna be now, huh? You're just gonna screw every has-been until your tits fall down and they don't want you anymore? Well, at least I don't hide what I am. Right, Corey? At least I'm not some closet speed freak, right? What you think I don't see what you do? Damn, think I don't see what you do! Shut up! I know what you do! What's this? Oh, what's this? What are these? Huh? What are these? Aspirins, vitamins, breath mints, diet pills, diet pills. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, I don't want I could study all night if I was chowing down speed too. You know that it could. There's one for your perfect little face and your perfect body. Shut and up. your perfect family and your perfect school. Stop and it. your perfect Gina, stop it. perfect future. Stop it. Stop it. Come on. Stop it. Come on, come on. Go I'm home. starving! Go home. It's always about her. It's gonna be fine. Really. No, it's not gonna be fine! Nothing's ever fine! No! I'm gonna be fine! We then quickly go back to the levity, which is why this movie is so well-paced. And Mark is, I think, eating a pot brownie or maybe just regular cake laced with something. But anyway, he's watching the Guar music video that Ebert mentioned in his review called Sadama Gogo. And suddenly, Mark is invited to Joan Guar in the band, on TV, at least in his mind. 
so lonely. You love choir. Why don't you join the band? Every day was an eternity. But oh. Man, you play a mean guitar, man. It's really a shame that you must die. I never thought that I could be happy. Hey, come on. Seems like that always faded away. And all the girls already had boyfriends. I was alone as lonely as me. Wow. I love you, buddy. <laughs> so as Mark gets eaten by Guar on stage, Corey decides to snap Deb out of her funk by giving her a funeral at the store to show how much everyone would care about her if she really did die. We're gathered here today to pay our last respects to Deborah. She left us and never said why. But I'm really going to miss her. And I wish that I could have known her a little bit better. Dog shit. Hey, dead people don't talk. <laughs> Burko, would you like to say something? Deb, I just... I just want you to stay. That's all. AJ, do you have something to say? Well, is it better to know or not to know? Mm. You see, I, I want to go to art school, but I'm afraid. Jesus, I hate this funeral. There you are. <laughs> My record's open until midnight. Mark. Midnight. Yes, that's right. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Oh, God. Um, I'll take care of it, boss. Okay. I really miss Gina. That's really special, but um, aren't we supposed to be talking about me? I know, I just can't stop thinking about her. She's not afraid of life, and she's not afraid to be herself. And I wish that I could be like that. I wish I could be brave like Gina. You are brave. You're getting out of here. You're always talking about how I do what I want to do, but I don't. I don't. Because... I want to sing in a band, but, um, I don't have the guts to even audition. And I know that if I don't do something, I'm going to end up like my mother. Her life ended after high school. You're never going to be like your mother if you don't want to be like your mother. You're going to be fine. Yeah. That is so sweet. I think I'm going to barf. Excuse me. Put it down here. Hey, Mark. Um. <clears throat> I used to pee in my bed. <laughs> I did. I, I, I wet my bed until I was ten. My mother turned me over to the county when I was ten to, uh, I don't know, not, not for being a, a bedwetter, but for being a bad seat, you know. Anyways, three years went by, and uh, then Joe came, and he uh, took me out, and I became the well-adjusted person that I am today. 
I tried to kill myself with a lady bick. A pink plastic razor with daisies on it and a moisturizing strip. And it took me forever just to get through my skin. I don't know, I was just really tired of being invisible. Love you, Deborah. So things seem to be turning up in the store, and they start to like each other a little bit more. And then Warren returns to the store and is not happy that he was arrested. Warren, get out of the store. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do, AJ. What are you doing with a gun? What do you think I'm doing with the gun? What the hell is that? Christ. Oh, Warren, shit! Man, why don't you let these people go? What do you say, huh? Good try, AJ. Good try. You tried to fool me, man. I'm not that dumb. Still call the cops. Nobody's gonna call the cops. It's Warren. He's shooting up the place. Oh my God, AJ. It's just fine. Everybody stand back, okay? Jane, call 911. And I got a gun. So, hey, Joe. Did you see that, man? Did you see that? What's that brilliant? Yeah. Did you love that? You told me not to come back. Well, here I am. The gun, man. I'll give you the gun. Said, what are you doing? I wanted to have a little chat with Warren. Yeah? Have a little chat with my gun. What do you want, Warren? Stop calling me Warren! My name isn't fucking Warren! His name isn't fucking Warren. His name isn't fucking Warren. His name isn't fucking Warren? I thought his name was Warren. And I talked to God, and she says, yo, what's up? And um, she wants you to lose the gun. You're psycho! You are psycho. What the hell is wrong with you people? You all belong in the loony bin. Every one of you. Forget you guys. I don't need you. You think you're so happy and you're so goddamn great because you work in a freaking record store. You think you're so superior. Hey, Joe, Lucas steals nine grand from you. You don't do dick to him. So you got to give me a job now? So that's it, Warren? Want to work in a record store? No. I think you're lying, Warren. He's not going to give me a job, man. How do you know? Why should he? Why should anyone give me a job? Gave me a job. <laughs> so do I get the job? Well, considering the fact that he's a minor and he put blanks in the gun, there's really not a whole lot they can do to him. Well, thanks a lot, officers. Take care, Warren. Stay out of trouble, okay? Wait, wait, Take care, man. Wait a minute. Um, Warren, I made this for you. Oh, man. Warren, I wait, work... Wait, wait, wait. Can you keep it here for me so when I get back? Sure. Thanks, man. Hey, Warren, take care of yourself. Don't let the man get you down. Yeah, you too, Lucas. Bye, Gina. Yeah, don't drop the soap. So, because of the commotion created by Warren, a news crew comes out to cover the aftermath, and Mark gets the bright idea to promote saving the store in the process. And a great use of the song Plowed by Sponge, which was an underrated gem from the 1990s. 
store. We saw it all. Tell us what happened. We'll see there was this guy here and he kind of wigged out and everything, but that's besides the point because we're having a get together here tonight. There's going to be free admission, live music, no, no, no. hits, chicks, <laughs> the full today. nine yards, man. It's going to be heavy shit here at midnight. We're live on the air right now, sir. Uh, that's the story, kid. Anybody can come. Some shattered Here at midnight, party on, man. More updates Damn updated. the man. Save the empire. No one, Burko, man, your bank can play. Yeah, we and we could. can buy kegs, sell beer. Hey, man, I yeah. can sell my brownies. Brownies. There you go. What about a permit? You need a permit to sell beer on the street. What about the permit? Joe, screw the permit. Yeah, yeah. come on, come on. Yeah. Joe. Brownies? <laughs> screw the permit. you are, Mitch. There was no money in the bag. One of my employees needed it. Who took it? Who took my money? Joe then decides to tell Mitch that he's going to quit and open up his own store. He won't work for a new store. Of course, he'll be bringing all of his employees along in the process. Then we get another montage of Gina and Burko, who is played by Coyote Shivers, who's a real musician, performing Sugar High on the rooftop. It's one giant party, and after a few minutes of Mitch trying to run the store, he decides to just sell it to Joe. <laughs> Everyone's happy. Please, please, leave the merchandise, take your cup. Get out! There must be somebody outside you need a mug or something. Now! Use all your money. Look, Joe, I hate this place. You love it. Let me sell it to you. Cheap. Thanks, you won't regret it much. Asshole. Okay, kid. Give me Take it. You're on. Uh, far away. Yeah, 
And of course, it wouldn't be right if we didn't get AJ and Corey together, right? Hi, what are you doing up here? You listen to me! Hello, Corey. You're so special and you're so talented and you have everything it takes. You have more than everything it takes, but you're really stupid because you don't know that. And I know you don't love me anymore, and I know that I blew it, but at least I know that. And if you don't go to art school, and if you don't understand how special you are, then you know nothing. Corey, I mean... And I did love you, and I still... Only I didn't realize it really was love, because it was more than love, and it wasn't just some stupid feeling in my stomach like everything else. And I'll never love anybody as much as you, and I hate you! Hate you! Corey, Why did you wait so long? I quit. I'm going to art school in Boston so I could be near you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this movie should have made my list uh, for the episode that we did. Uh, that was all about movies that take place in one day. So I'd have to go back and listen. But, you know, when I do these, those, li- you know, those lists at the time, it's whatever I'm thinking about at the time. So hindsight is twenty twenty. Anyway, normally I don't go through an entire film because there are spoilers involved. But for this film, it's not really plot based. It's a comedy. And so that's why it's so enjoyable. And you can still watch it at any time. It's just a day in a life of a group of misfits. Very much in the vein of Dazed and Confused. And then, of course, every rabid music fan will appreciate the final discussion between Mark and the Pete's guy, Eddie, because we all do this. That, that guy, whatever his name is, that dog. What's his name? Oh. That dude with the shaved head, the liner guy. Henry Rollins? Yeah, yeah, the guy with the tattoos all over. I admit Henry Rollins is sort of a puss, man. Yeah, but he's a total puss. But lyrics suck. You can't go down and put on the put down the misfits, man. They had they had like everything it took to be a great punk band. They had good bass lines and, and like strong guitar chords, even though there was only three. But it they was didn't okay. even compare to Primus, man. They were that old school stuff. Primus? I mean, yeah. Why why get into Primus, man? Primus, Primus is the new stuff. There's always I mean the, the out with the old, in with the new kind. Oh, uh, evolution's know. a bad thing if Primus is what's gonna come around. What are you talking I'm about? I'm talking about the fact that Primus has nothing, man. They've got like Good baselines, I'll admit They have that. beautiful baselines. Okay, but they're not, as good as, they're not as good as right, like, guy like the Pixies. The Pixies have way better baselines than the than, than Primus. So man. why didn't they stick around? Well, you know, because people wanted to do solo careers and explore themselves as single entities instead of a band. But that's, I don't know, but that's like money, you know. <laughs> no, it's not about money. Yeah, it's not about money. All right, there were some deleted scenes, and they are on the DVD, at least the Blu-ray that I have. One's called Hey Joe, Game Boy. It's just like it sounds, literally. The song Hey Joe plays as Lucas asks if he can borrow Joe's Game Boy. Hey Joe, where you going? With that Game Boy in your hand. The next one, Rex sulks and talks, and playing with Burko. So Rex has a conversation with Burko about what he's been doing and how Rex didn't even play on his last three albums. And Burko says that will never happen to him. And then Rex walks away after his car doesn't bother to pick him up after his signing at the music store.
The next one, Don confronts Lucas. So it seems that Lucas was with a guy's wife named Don, and her name was Diane the night before. So Lucas talks his way out of it and gets Don to think about uh, treating his wife to a vacation. And so whether or not Lucas was really with Diane, we have no idea. It was a deleted scene probably for a reason. The last deleted scene is called Say No More. So Burko and Gina sing another song on the rooftop after the song Sugar High. And then we even see Rex Manning in the crowd as Gina gives him a shout-out. And then Corey, in the meantime, is looking for AJ. Mitch is just miserable at the cash register, and Warren shows up saying he works there. Rex ends up going on the rooftop, and he plays guitar with Burko. And then the police end up breaking up the rooftop performance to a very angry and booing crowd. But Rex gets some of his street cred back with the music fans. And this was likely cut because why give Rex Manning any sympathy, you know? All right, some fun facts. So while the film, again, was a major bomb at the box office, the soundtrack did do fairly well due to the Gin Blossoms track that was included. They were very popular at the time. I do love their debut album, too. Because of the film, there is indeed a Rex Manning Day every April 8th for fans of the film. And my good friend DJ Johnny Demon once did a show on his, uh, on his radio show just all dedicated to Rex Manning Day. So shout out to Johnny Demon. The movie was originally filmed as two days, but then it was cut back and fit into one day. And at the time of the movie, Coyote Shivers, who plays Burko, was married to Bebe Buell. Now there's a connection here, because that would make him the stepfather of Liv Tyler, because Liv Tyler's mom is Bebe Buell, who was in a relationship with Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, and they had a kid together, and that was, of course, Liv Tyler. So there you go. All right, we have two great guests to talk about this underrated cult classic, Empire Records. One, DJ Metal Mike Tyler from ThatMetalStation.com. You can hear him every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, also with his co-host, Bill Roseberry, who I have on the podcast all the time. So DJ Metal Mike will be on, and then also Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. Both are great, both love Empire Records, and so we discuss it now. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie, from my DVD collection. Okay, we are back. It's been far too long. I'm welcoming back DJ Metal Mike Tyler from ThatMetalStation.com. Welcome back, Mike. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me on. As always, it is a huge honor to be part of damn good movie memories. I love all kinds of music, just like I love all kinds of fucking movies. That's right. And, and actually, this is a perfect movie because... It's a fun movie, but it's also a music movie, and it is Empire Records. Now, did you ever actually work in a music store? Because I thought you, you would be a perfect person to work in a you music know, store. No, I, I never did, man. Um, I would hang out in them from time to time. I had some buddies that worked in music stores, but mm -hmm. uh, I lived more in a rural area, so most of the music stores in my youth, close to where I live, were like your... You know, they were the ones that were making fun of in the movie, you know, these corporate, mm. um, you know, really stuffy. And I was like, I'm not even going to bother to put my application in, in on that one. And, you know, but sometimes I would go with my big brother to St. Louis, you know, to the mom and pop record stores, uh, vintage vinyl and uh, street side records and, and shit like that, mm -hmm. uh, which I think street side was a chain, but they were just a lot more cooler and relaxed and could I mean, I remember the first time I went to Vintage Vinyl, I was just like in awe of all the music they had there, man. Yeah. It was such a cool experience, especially as a young guy, because like when you're a kid, you know, yeah, I don't live that far from St. Louis, but when you're a kid and you don't have your car, 
right. or ACAR, it's like an eternity, you know. And I didn't get to go over there until I was well in my my latter teenage years. I didn't get to go to a lot of the mom and pop stores. I didn't get to have that experience like a lot of my contemporaries did that lived in more urban areas, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah, and that's a great part about before the internet, like we, if you want to discover music and you didn't want to just do it on the radio, your best friend would be the person that worked at the music store because they would have just like an encyclopedic knowledge of things. Yeah, exactly. Like we eventually in Alton, which is a town close to where I live, they did finally have a, a mom and pop record store uh, called mm-hmm. Music Biz, which was fucking awesome. I And I would go there. But by that time, I already had my career as a nurse. So right. no, I never got to experience that, I'm sorry to say, because I think you're right. I would have loved doing that. Sure. Uh, totally loved doing it. But yeah, it just wasn't meant to be, I guess. <laughs> so when this first came out, it really wasn't a big box office hit at all. It became mm-hmm. kind of a cult classic. Uh, it's very much in the vein of like your Days and Confused or, you know, your timepiece because it takes place in one day. How did you, how were you in introduced to it and how'd you hear about it uh real simple man direct tv satellite oh, tv man there you um, go. i believe uh a couple years maybe a year after it come out it came mm-hmm. out what 95 i believe yeah. or 96 yep. 95 uh, yeah well i would say maybe i did ju- just discover it on cable but i i remember watching it and i just thought it was no just a really really fun and I, I don't want to use the word cute, but it's a cute movie, man. It it's is. a really cute movie. Uh, very funny. My mom even got a kick out of it. She thought it was funny. Like, her favorite character was the one that, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Ethan Embry? Yeah, he's kind of like the, uh, the goofy the, he, guy. You yeah, know? and he loves, he thinks he's in the Guar video. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and my mom got, my mom just, she got the biggest kick out of him. She was like, he's so fun, you know. I want to work with somebody like that. And yeah, she even liked that movie. And, you know, I mean, obviously, that movie wasn't really aimed at her generation, so to speak, you know. Uh, But, yeah, she even liked it. It is a good film, man. I mean, I just watched it again last night because I hadn't watched it in a while. (laughs) And I still found myself enjoying it, man. Also, you got Liv Tyler and Renee Zwelliger in their prime. I mean, what's not to like, you know? Oh, absolutely. And uh, and also what's fun about Ethan Embry is if you are like, if you like the vacation movies with uh, Chevy Chase, he's in yep. Vegas Vacation. He plays Rusty, which was always a fun trope because they'd always get a new, they get new kids oh, every, every movie. Time, man. <laughs> so um, what's also great about this movie is they're really, I mean, there's a plot. There's a very loose plot. Of course, it's, you know, about saving the, the, um, the store, but really it's kind of a Dan the life. Uh, and so how did, how did you like how it plays out? Because really it's loose if there is any plot at all. It, I, that's what I liked about it though. It was almost like you said, a slice of life in mm-hmm. a way. Um, very like, um, I, I can't, I can't imagine there wasn't some improv in this because it seems to me like there definitely was. Yeah. And, and um, another thing I really liked about the movie is how each character kind of has their own thing going on, you know, like just yeah. like in real life, you know, and one of the things that was really cool is, and very revealing is when you find out that here Liv Tyler's this beautiful, smart, intelligent, Harvard bound, straight A student who seems like she's got it totally together, but she's a fucking hot mess like everybody else. Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and I think that's very, that that's very realistic to me. Oh yeah. Well, what's interesting also, uh, you know, you have uh, Robin Tunney who plays Deborah and she's, Oh yeah, she's, I forgot she's about kind, her. She's kind of the, um, I, I guess she's not really goth, but she's kind of emo. She's always down. She's you know almost 
I don't know if she's serious about killing herself, but they do, you know, is in a very dark comedy kind of way. They throw her a funeral and which actually made them seem, you know, because I think a lot of suicide people think that, well, if I if I kill myself, nobody's going to care. And so it was their way of showing like, look, we do care about you. And this will will say your funeral, which uh, in, in a movie that is very not it's not heavy at all. That that was actually kind of heady. Right. Well, and also the part where Liv Tyler literally has her meltdown and who's yep. covering her? It's Robin Tooney's character. There you go. And uh, who they don't another get... another yeah. pretty woman. God, yeah. man, she's hot too. And they, they don't get along. Yeah. And they don't get along in the movie, but they were still there to to support each other, which is a right. Which is cool. Uh, yeah, it, she yeah. said something there towards him like, "Hey, we're family," you know, like, "Yeah, I I may have my." issues with you but at the end of the day you're one of us yeah uh the other great thing about this movie is is you do have your typical record store guy in lucas who's kind of your arrogant i know everything type of guy and yes. uh, how did you feel about the beginning because at first i almost thought it was going to be like a dream but then it turned out to be legit and he really did lose the money <laughs> were you kind yeah. of expecting to, i was to, like yeah. i yeah i was like you know what's interesting about lucas is i used to give bill shit all the time because I always thought that dude, not exactly, but not really his personality, but the actor himself, because he was in Dazed and Confused as yeah, well. Yeah, Rory Cochran. Yeah. He always, he always reminds me of Bill. Mm. Like, I'm like, dude, you know, because, like, especially at that time, when I first became friends with Bill, I, I met him in 96. So Empire Records was maybe not even out a year. And I think I'd already seen it. I was like, dude, there's a, a character in the movie. You look, you kind of look like that dude. <laughs> uh, but not personality wise at all. Bill's not like that guy at all. But uh, no. but uh, you know the very um, arrogant, smart ass, esoteric. Um, you know, like wh- what is it with you today? What is with today? Today, yeah. you know, like he's just. But he's also an underachiever. Like he's smart, yes. but he never fulfills his potential. Right, right. And I didn't know this, but apparently him and Renee were an item when they made that movie. Ah, there you go. They, they met on Dazed and Confused. And I did not know that until just recently doing a little research. I was like, oh, I'm like, you go Rory, you know? <laughs> I think like the producers probably thought this was going to be another Dazed and Confused, which was really successful. I mean, it made sense. Yeah. It was kind of set up for that. Um, but it just didn't, it didn't turn out that way. Well, speaking, and one of the things about Dazed and Confused is the music. Uh, it's all classic rock. How did you feel about the soundtrack on this? Uh, for the most part, I like it, even though it's a lot of bands that aren't really in my wheelhouse. There wasn't right. anything there where I was like, oh, well, that sucks. You know, mm-hmm. it it fit the narrative of the film. You, you know what I mean? And of course, obviously, I have my favorite parts. Oh, yeah. Um, Joe getting frustrated, turn on his jukebox and drum into uh, if you want blood, you got it. It's by That's far right. my favorite part of the film. Mine, too. Uh, and uh, but another part I love is when Ethan Embry imagines himself as a guitarist for Gore. And, yes. And, you know, he's like eating those marijuana brownies. He's all like, uh, you know, that that was hilarious. I mean, but it just looks like the, the thing I like about the film is when you're watching it, they have, must have had an absolute blast making that movie. They yeah. had to, have, man. I mean, it just like you said, it seems real fast and loose. And I think. I mean, Dazed and Confused is a bigger cult film, but Empire Records has a lot of uh, fans. Oh, I yeah. Mean, my God, they got Rex Manning Day now, you know? That's they, right. Like, you know, I mean, so, yeah, it's it's definitely... Uh, sometimes it takes a while for a work of art, be it music, movie, or whatever, to find its niche or its audience. There's been many a time where things have been kind of ahead of their time, where you're like, you, I don't understand this movie, or I don't get it. And then years later, people look back and go, man, that's a really good fucking movie. 
Oh yeah, it's all it's all time and place and when it's released. I mean, look at Heather's. I, I think if Heather's was released in the uh, you know ninety two or ninety three instead of like eighty nine ninety, I think that would have been a huge movie with the grunge era. But I think it, when it was released, they were more looking for that kind of uh, Brat Pack type movie, and it was a dark right. comedy. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, great example though. Great mm-hmm. example. Another one. I know you're not a big fan of the film yourself, but mm-hmm. Blade Runner. Oh yeah, yeah. Blade Runner. Nobody gave a fuck when that movie came out. I, no. I, went, to the, I went to the drive-in with my dad to see that, and we loved it. But uh, um, even though I got to be honest, as a kid, I liked it. Mm-hmm. But it 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 was different than what I. It wasn't what I was expecting. And as I've gotten older, I I, I truly appreciate the film now. But as a kid, it wasn't Star Wars. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, Blade it's way Runners more complex. Very, yeah, and a very dark film. Very. Yeah. Well, really, future future noir. Really, it's 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 yeah. It's it's a film noir film set in a science fiction setting. I mean, that's really what it is. Absolutely. If you break it down to it. Yeah. But yeah. Back to Empire Records, though. No, yeah, I definitely that, think. Oh, go ahead. That, oh, sorry. But that's a good point. A good part about now with movies and the later era with home video and cable is if it way, way back when, if a movie bombed, you were never going to see it again because there was no television. There was nothing like this. At least now there could be some sort of following because of the internet. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, uh, cable's given a lot of films new life. Uh, look oh. at somewhere in time with Christopher yeah. Reeve, and Jane Seymour. Look there at, uh, Eddie and the cruisers. Eddie and cruisers is a mega flop except for the soundtrack, but the movie came out on cable. and Everybody's like, man, it's a really good movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Legend so, of Billy Jean. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and now it's just multiplied with the streaming. Yes. So going back to Empire Records, what are what are your favorite scenes in the film? And you just rewatched it. My favorite, absolute favorite part is with with uh, um, Joe playing ACDC's "If You Want it, Blood, You Got It," and the whole record store scene along. They're all rocking out. But there's a lot of funny moments or great moments to it. The kid who's stealing shit and Lucas yeah. is on him like that and chasing him around and and, and the interaction there and everything. Um, uh, of course, Rex Manning and all that mm-hmm. and the whole, you know, them dancing and, and when, uh, when um, oh, what's his name? The artist, the kid who's in love with uh, Liv Tyler uh, has Robin Tooney dance with him and shit. Yes, you know, AJ. he's all like, "Oh, Rexy, you're so sad. he's rubbing yeah. her bald head, and shit." Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I thought that was fucking funny and cute, and yep. um, really the whole movie from beginning to end, it was just a fun film, man. I'm watching it. Uh, another part that I really liked was, uh, I mean, people can go, oh, "Rex Manning was a dick," and he was, mm-hmm. but the part where she hits on him, he pauses for a minute and he asks her point blank, "You sure you want to do this?" Yep. And she's like, absolutely. And then when he unzips her pa- his pants, she's like, she just has a meltdown. And I'm like, well, damn, I, I, she must have been really naive. I'm going, honey, what did you think he was going to do, man? You know? Well, look, I mean, she's st- fresh out of high school. So, yeah, she was. Yeah, like, yeah they don't. Yeah, and, she was just yeah. like, I mean, I was like, whoa, you know? Yeah. Even, even then, though, I knew high school girls that weren't that naive, dude. Oh, you no. Know? I mean, no, no. But, uh, no, but I, I was just absolutely. like, uh, well, but, look, look at Renee Zellweger's character. I mean, she is, they're probably the same age, totally uh-huh. different, totally different, uh, you know, life experience. But we're obviously close friends, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, even though she, and then she goes and fucks the guy out of retaliation yep. against her. Mm-hmm. And then she confronts uh, Liv about her doing speed and shit. I mean, there's some, it, it's a funny movie, but there's some definite um, serious 
moments. Oh, oh another God. part I love is yeah. when she goes to Joe and says, I'm going to give him his lunch. And then he's like, no, no, I'm going to have, uh, oh, what's his name? The, the guitar player kid. The guy oh, that was uh, from Burko. Burko, Burko's yeah. going to do it. I can't get I don't know. I thought that was hilarious, man. There, there was some great moments, man. Oh, when um, when uh, when when Debbie Mazar quits and just leaves and says, "Dude, I can't deal with this guy anymore. I'm outy." You know. Um, I, actually, I wish she was in the movie more because she, she she's was, actually a good she was, character. No, that's what I mean. I liked her character though. She was really cool, and I'm glad that it was cool when she came back. You know. Yeah. Yeah. She took an interest in Joe, and yeah, it was, it's just a cool movie, man, you know? It is. So you would recommend this? Oh, yeah, especially if you're a music lover, um, especially if you're from our generation. But even if you're not, it's still a different, you know, it's still a good movie, I think, you know. And the thing is, man, that, that you'll, you'll be surprised how many youngsters out there do like rock and metal, man, which always does my heart good or does love things. That, and you know how it is, Brian, it's just that way, like, each decade romanticizes the two decades previous to it. Of course. In the 1970s, you had Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. It was romanticizing the 50s. Yep. In the 80s, you had The Wonder Years romanticizing the 60s. Yeah. In the 90s, that 70s show. See? Yep. No. You know, and, so forth. and now it's, it's the 90s. In the, you know? the 80s, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, last decade was the 80s, and now it's going back. It, now everybody's looking back on the 90s. Yeah, isn't that funny? Because in the 80s, there was also, um, at least movie-wise, tons of movies about the 50s. So, you know, oh, you're yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, how the, back to the future. I mean, literally, you know, he goes back time, 30 years. Yeah, Peggy Sue got, you know? yeah, Peggy Sue got married. Tough. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an underrated movie there. Yeah, no, it's 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 one worth revisiting, just like this one. Well, as always, uh, Metal Mike, this has been great. Don't be a stranger. And, of course, everyone's got to check out your show on ThatMetalStation.com every Friday. Thank you, buddy. All right, man. I thank you for the plug, and stay metal, brother. All right, we're back with Growing Up Rocks, Stephen Michael. Welcome back, Stephen. What's going on, Brian? I like to be referred to for this episode as Rex Manning, please. <laughs> Or Rex Michael. How about that? Sweet. Rex <laughs> Michael. That is my new handle, the Grown Up Rock Podcast featuring Rex Michael. Rexy is sexy. So, okay. So, well, we'll speaking of record stores, I mean, obviously, Grown Up Rock, you guys love music. You guys love, uh, you know, at least back in the day, physical media. Did you ever work in a record store? I did, actually, a couple of different situations. So, I worked for one, a record distributor. Okay. Um, so we took all the records from various uh, record labels and distributed them to record stores. Mm -hmm. So I worked in that warehouse for a long time. And then also I ended up working the record section uh, at, do you remember Media Plays? Mm, no. No, they were they were like these mammoth uh, places that sold records, but then they also had um, uh, like Best Buy stuff, and they, okay. uh, uh, it was called Media Play. It was like a big box store, and I don't truthfully, I don't think they lasted very long. They went bankrupt. I think they were way too aggressive, and the change in uh, the times as well, uh, they went under pretty quick. But I worked at the in the record portion of that store for a long time and then when i was really young uh when i was still in high school i used to do um inventory audits at a record bar in the mall 
Oh, nice. So you're always involved in music in some way. So for the distributor, uh, did you ever get, you know, at cost records or did they frown upon that? (laughs) Even better, buddy. So, yeah, even better. So working at the record distributor was still back in the day of promos. Mm -hmm. And every Friday I would walk out of uh, work with a stack of CDs. And this is no shit. A stack of CDs that was probably a foot and a half to two feet high uh, uh. Of, of CDs every Friday. I would just, our uh, record buyer would, we would, um, I was his personal inventory uh, guy for the record buyer when mm-hmm. I first started. So every Friday I'd go into his office, I'd be like, what do you got for me today? And he's <laughs> like, there's the stacks, go look through it. And uh, I would look through it and take what I want it to take. And so I would walk out of there with just like literally a foot, foot and a half of CDs. Oh, that that would be heavy. That's almost as good as the salary. Yeah, I, well, it was definitely a perk. There were two perks to that job. One mm-hmm. was the promos. And then the other perk was that the um, record label people would always give us tickets to the shows. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So if there was a meet and greet or a show, this is back when meet and greets were free. And in fact, they were encouraged because they were trying to get in good with the record distributors so that we would sell their product, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So sometimes they would bring, um, uh, sometimes they would bring people, um, rock stars by the office. Mm-hmm. And we would just do a photo session and a meet and greet with the rock stars there at the office. Uh, I've gotten tons of pictures with everybody from uh, like uh, Reba McIntyre mm-hmm. to uh, Kip Winger, you know, nice. <laughs> just tons, tons of different people, all kinds of all all genres of music and, and stuff like that. So I got one with Al Green. Oh, was, that yeah, soul legend. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did stuff like that. That was a perk. And then they, if there was a show we really wanted to go to, we would throw our hat in the ring for uh, that show. And normally they would get us tickets. They were usually pretty good tickets. Mm-hmm. And then if they were having some sort of a meet and greet backstage, we'd get a backstage pass as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I remember seeing a, an old picture of you on Facebook where I think you had – Pride and Glory era Zach Wild, you got a picture with him. Was that from the, one of these meet and greets? That was not the Pride and oh. Glory picture that was on Facebook. Was when uh, I don't know how much you know about my past, but I was a tour manager for many years. Oh, I didn't know that. I was a tour manager for many years, and one of the bands that I tour managed was this little band uh, out of. Uh, Arkansas and they were kind of a rock rap metal type thing in the early nineties mm-hmm. and never did anything big. The name of the band was mother's day out and that's M U T H A okay. apostrophe S uh, as it ties into a movie. They had a movie in the soundtrack, the first mortal Kombat soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the band is in the movie at the beginning for probably, I don't know, maybe, uh, 30 seconds, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, how that relates to the pride and glory thing is that we were on tour in Europe and played this big festival at, um, uh, Switzerland and they were the band that went on right before us. 
uh, and I happen to be uh, uh, Zach Wild and a Pride and Glory fan, so I just you know kind of corralled him uh, backstage and said, mm-hmm. "Hey, can I get a picture with <laughs> with you real quick?" Oh, that was growing it growing up. Speaking of growing up, Rock, uh, that Pride and Glory album because I was a sophomore, junior in high school. I listened to that non stop so that and book of shadows was like my high school years and uh yeah i remember seeing them at a little club here and 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 uh the bay area and got one of the the old school shirts and years later he signed it for me he's like whoa you still have one of these i'm like oh yeah yeah so i ended up framing it but oh yeah zach back in the day was super super cool uh so yeah this all does correlate so it's interesting because you bring up the meet and greets and everything and one of the key things that the record store did in empire records we mentioned rex manning is to bring in uh, musical artists and then have them sign CDs. So that was a real fun scene. How did, how did you feel about how they portrayed a day in the life of a record store? Well, I connected with a lot of that stuff, having, uh, that background. So mm-hmm. yeah, working at the distributor distributor and everything, I definitely connected to a lot of this movie. And I will be honest in saying that the first time I saw this movie, I was kind of like meh. Mm. Um, but, it's one of those movies that stuck around and kept coming back. And then it had a whole nother life of its own on cable and it became somewhat of a cult flick. I think, uh, this movie would qualify as a cult flick and I really, really grew to like this. And the more times I watched it, the more I connected with different scenes. So, you know, if that makes any sense, then yes, that's, that's exactly how this movie grew on me. Mm-hmm. Well, that definitely makes sense. I mean, that's that, I've been like that with movies as well. It just your your headspace might be a little bit different when you when you see uh, certain movies. Like if you kind of go in with a certain attitude, you might not give it a chance. But I think people really thought this was going to be kind of like another dazed and confused, uh, you know, a day in the life, and, and kind of have fun with it with a good soundtrack. And it just didn't take off, like you said. Now. What scenes now really resonated with you that you might have kind of um, kind of blown off in the beginning? Well, one of the big I didn't blow it off in the beginning. It's one mm-hmm. of the one of the scenes that sat with me as a metalhead, and it sat with me from the get go, from the first time I saw it to mm-hmm. every time I've seen it after that, which is you know seeing. Um, Warren, the character Warren Beatty, right, uh, trying to escape the uh, the store and run through the store, and they're busting out. Uh, if you want blood, you got it by oh, right. Easy. <laughs> Cranked it a freaking ultra high level. I mean, yep. because two things. So one, I would consider if you want blood, somewhat of a deep track. Oh, right? definitely. It's definitely. it's definitely not Highway to Hell, and it's definitely not Back in Black or You Ship Me All Night Long. No, it also happens to be one of my favorite ACDC songs. Mine too. I love that tune, man. Oh yeah. So when they cranked that up, yeah, that scene I identified from the get go. Loved it. Yeah, and it's it's on one of their most popular albums. But yeah, like you said, it would be like playing Shake a Leg or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then, of course, I, I like the um, the Renee Zellweger, uh, of course, very early on in her career. And mm-hmm. she's somewhat she's somewhat sexy and somewhat slutty in this uh, movie. And, you know, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's funny how, you know, Liv Tyler basically made her name from the Aerosmith videos from the Get a Grip era. And, uh, you know, she was kind of playing. Uh, playing off of that, you know, Alicia Silverstone. So it's almost like carrying that over to this movie <laughs> in a way. 
Right. And she certainly lived, uh, lived that life or been around that sure. whole thing, uh, with her daddy. Right. Mm-hmm. And baby Buell, her mom, who was, uh, you know, very famous as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's also, you know, just some different things, uh, in this movie with, um, Rex Manning and just the <laughs> sleazy kind of, uh, uh, doofus. I also liked, um, the Debbie Mazur who plays the part of the record, uh, yeah. liaison, because I knew a lot of record company liaisons that were very, very much like Debbie Mazur. Mm-hmm. Um, so her part is played to a T, uh, and I, I know that that was pretty, pretty close to what it really is. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought her up because I think they should have done more with her character. She really wasn't in it that much. No, but the part she played was uh, was definitely um, important. And yeah, I agree. They could have done uh, some more stuff with her for sure. Absolutely. Other characters in the film that really stood out for you, what, what would those be? Uh, well, I mean, I, I name most of, most of them, but mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, Anthony... Uh, La, how do you say it? Lapalia or Lapalia? Yeah, mm-hmm. Lapalia. Yeah. Uh, I think that he always does a good job in just about everything that he does. I think you know he, uh, not in this movie, but a lot of stuff that he gets typecasted in, like the gangster flicks and the yeah. Italian type stuff. And there was a hint of that a little bit in this sh- in this uh, movie, but not that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just like his character. I don't know. There's something about him. He's a good actor. Um, Robin Tunney, um, definitely is usually solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, uh, this, uh, actor, uh, mainly for his name, which is Coyote Shivers. <laughs> oh, that's right. He played the uh, the the uh, the band guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who who doesn't want to have a name like Coyote Shivers? <laughs> I know. I, I yeah. Very hippie parents. So I can either be um, Rex Michael or Coyote <laughs> Shivers. Which would you prefer? I think Coyote Michael is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got the shivers part. I mean, that's even better. <laughs> I'm not too sure. I uh, it depends. It depends. Hey, you, hey, hey, hey! What about Stephen Shivers? Stephen, <laughs> the double S. Yeah, I like it. Okay, well, <laughs> that that is your new alias. Sweet. Yeah, if Sonny gets Hollywood, you get shivers. There you so. go. <laughs> the other great scene for me, which if you're, if, I don't know if you're a fan of the band, but it is a super funny scene, is uh, Guar talking to the. Um, the Mark character who is completely out of his mind eating pop brownies. Ah, you know what? I almost even forgot about that. That's right. That is awesome. <laughs> Do you like war? Uh, you know what? I like the, um, I like the show. I like the visual aspect of it, but the music is awful to me. I can't, I can't get into the music. That's not my, uh, my bang zone or rock and roll. That's not your bag, baby. But well, okay, we'll get into the music. This is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a super popular soundtrack, but there were some, uh, tracks on there where it's kind of, um, I think people of the time in the mid nineties might've gravitated to her. Was there anything off the soundtrack that really stood out for you? Well, like I said already, the uh, if you want blood, you yeah. got it. Um, that's I mean, that's a super high one. Another one that I got and I didn't know anything about this band uh, until this movie is um, 
I think Little Bastard is on this movie, uh, which is by this band called the Ass Ponies. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't. Great I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's the dumbest name, and I can't. I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I like anything else by the Ass Ponies, <laughs> but Little Bastard is just a fun song. Uh, there's also a Quicksand song in there. Um, Counting Blue Cars by Deshwala. Mm. Uh, spent some time on the road with Deshwala, so I know those guys. I know that was oh, a huge cool. hit for them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's a few things here and there. Nothing that, like, um, uh, nothing I would lose my mind over, I don't think. Sure. I, I think for me, the one song, um, and I really didn't get into this band besides this song, but I love Plowed by Sponge. It was kind of a radio uh, hit at the time, but mm-hmm. I think they did that was a good use of that song. And then at the time, I really liked the first album for the Jim Blossoms. Uh, that 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 one uh, new miserable experience, I really dug. Now, I was a freshman in high school when it came out, but there's still some tracks on that that really um, stand out for me. I would agree. That was a great record, and I actually own that record as well. There are some really good songs on there. And, uh, um, you know, I'm looking at the track listing now, and there was probably a lot more music that was in the movie that I like, but not on the soundtrack. Right. Have, have you looked at that at all? Oh, I have. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like, they, a lot of this stuff they didn't put on, you know? Yeah, they said they said smooth up in you was uh, in the movie. I don't necessarily remember that, but they say it is. Uh, I, yeah, I would have to go back and, and rewatch it again. But I yeah, it may have been. <laughs> it's probably probably in the background or something. You just didn't catch it. Yeah. And that happens a lot in movies where you're like, oh, OK, I guess it is like it's on someone's uh, headphones or something. So I think both you and I can both agree that the best song on the soundtrack hands down or in the movie is say no more by Maxwell Caulfield <laughs> as Rex Manning. <laughs> that is a fun, they, they basically filmed that video just for the movie. It is hilarious. It is so of the time. <laughs> oh my God. So cheesy. <laughs> so I'm sure you experienced this. So let's say you, you were, you know, they were, they were trotting out someone who's definitely in their, they're living off their past glories. And they're expecting, you know, they're basically getting the old generation of the crowd. Like, did you have to deal with with the uh, artists that were kind of like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to go and do the song and dance for for my my old fans? You know, honestly, no, at least it was never apparent to me. I'm sure they're out there. There's no doubt about it. And probably the uh, Debbie Mazers of the world, which is those uh, record company liaisons that are responsible for the artist and um most of the time, I, I want to say those are like promotion people or or um, uh, publicist. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, are the people that are involved in that. Right, uh, they're the ones that are probably dealing with that side of of the Rex Mannings. But I personally was never involved or never saw anything like that. But I'm sure it existed. Right. Right. So, go looking back, this is something you would revisit. This is something you would enjoy today. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. In fact, probably I enjoy it more today than I did uh, when I initially saw it. It's one of those movies, again, um, that comes on cable and 
uh, it sucks me in or it's on the background. I don't turn it because I know the flick so well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think some people might end up catching it, uh, you know, uh, at some point just because Renee Zellweger's in it and Liv Tyler and they might have gone back and looked at, you know, oh, they're in it. I'll, I'll go check this out now. Hey, let me ask you this. What's your mm-hmm. thoughts on uh, young Renee Zellweger? Doesn't she remind you of um, the girl? And I'm fortunately, I don't know her name, but you'll remember who I'm talking about. <laughs> the girl that was like in Chasing Amy. She's been in all oh. of his, his movies. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. I can see her. Well, yes, she has three names. <laughs> I'm going to look her up right now because it's uh, it'll drive me nuts. Joey Lauren Adams. Yes, that the, her her voice is kind of similar and she definitely has that look. Yeah, they both they both sort of for a long time I confused them uh especially the young Renee Z- uh, Zellweger. Yeah. Uh, just I confused those two actresses for a long time because they have that similar sort of graspy raspy voice to them mm-hmm. uh but then they also look similar to me. Um and so yeah, I just I was curious whether you saw that as well. Yeah, very attractive blonde look from that, you know, early 90s, mid 90s, but I loved her like in Mall Rats and uh mm-hmm. you know, all those all those uh, Kevin Smith movies. And of course she was in uh, Days and Confused as well. Yeah, that's right. I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, so I like a lot of his stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, she was in all those movies, and I forgot she was in Days and Confused. You're right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Actually, and then um, there's another guy that's in uh, Days and Confused that's in Empire Records. It's um, Roy Cochran, because he played the really heavy stoner in Days and Confused, and of course, then he goes loses all the money into the beginning of this movie. How did that brings up a good point? Did you did you think that was going to be like a dream sequence when you first saw it in the beginning of the movie? Uh, you know, I don't know what I thought at the time because I haven't watched this movie, you know, real recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't necessarily remember thinking that was a dream sequence. Okay, yeah, because the film really starts off with a bang. I mean, he he really <laughs> he basically loses all the money that was supposed to go to try to save up to save the store. So yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I do remember the plot and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as always, Stephen, thank you so much for doing this, and I love getting your your you know your backstory about this. That that uh, that that was a lot of fun. I didn't expect it to go in this direction. That's why it's always fun. It's always a twisty, turning rod with me. Brian, you know that. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why we're going to have you on real soon. Thanks thanks you again, Stephen. Thanks, Brian. See you later. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com. <laughs>